everybody. Welcome to Mythos Manual. This is our crunch episode. I'm sure you've tuned in before, but if you haven't, here's a quick recap. We're going to get down into the nitty gritty, whether that's character, whether that's gaming, it can be literally anything. Tonight, we are sitting down with our player, Alan Mills, and of course, our DM, Calder Kadavid, and I am Leslie Wisniewski. So welcome, you guys. Let's talk about some D&D. Let's talk about Eulister Burnbook. Oh. Yes. Eulister Burnbook. What a special soul Eulister Burnbook really was. Well, that's all he is now. Yeah. <laughs> the most special little soul. He was a precious gem. Yes. Oh, I'm so sad. I'm yeah. so, so sad. I'm drinking myself. On this delicious Cab Franc. Oh, yeah. On my sadness. Yes. Tonight's it's- episode is unformally sponsored by <laughs> Cab Franc. Cab Franc from Napa. Um, I really put a lot of work in Eulister Burn Book. It seemed like you did. Tell me about Eulister. Tell me about where the inspiration came for the beautiful tiefling flower. Well, okay. So Eulister Burn Book was based on Ferdinand Lyle from Penny Dreadful. I've not seen that show. Me either. Okay. Well, I had. I loved it. And, um, and one thing. It- Josh Hartnett, right? It, yeah. Yeah, Josh Hartman. So, so one thing I liked about Ferdinand is he was this sort of like really mincing, dandy, coiffed-haired, ling- linguist, like intellectual professor type, and I wanted that to be my kind of like format for for Eulister. Yeah, and so, um, and one of the reasons I thought about that is because I we were going into this like you know jungle, and one of the things we had kind of like talked about ourselves was not be, like kind of avoiding this colonization tropes, and so I thought about how do I subvert that. And my way of doing that was making this mincing, gay, dandy character. I mean, he's still wearing the pith helmet, you right? Know, and all the pockets, and all the pockets. But but he's but he but it's you know it's it's all it's it was just all a little bit more, you know, uh, Ralph Lauren. Is it, like, <laughs> is it like intended to be like more ridiculous? And- it was. To, I yeah. was trying to make. I was trying to essentially make fun of that colonizer. To some degree, not that not that you know, gay characters make fun of anything. I just wanted to, I wanted to not to be that toxic masculine, you know, right. hunter trope, like right? Dalton, like Dalton, yeah. yeah. Now Dalton, of course, is the Josh Harnett to to Eulister. He's like that guy with the with the biceps and the guns, and so Eulister was absolutely enthralled by Dalton. You know, because right. that's that was that relationship. I kind of keyed into that. Um, Dalton, of course, didn't didn't reciprocate it any at all. But uh, yeah, but that's mm-hmm. that's what's supposed to happen because Eulister is Eulister's archetype is essentially harmless. I mean, he's he's just. So are you are you kind of intentionally like building a character that was made to be cock blocked? Is that? I mean, I mean, well, made to be like he's he's you know like a, a guy like a guy like Yulser is at an age that he's past his prime. He's not he you know he's no longer sexy, so it's like right. everything that he carries with him is this sort of like um, remembering his youth and remembering all the joys of it and what it was like to be young. And so when he's around like these you know, figures like Dalton, it's a, it's not necessarily about Dalton. It's about sort of like remembering who Eulister used to be when he was young and could get a guy like Dalton. Oh, so oh. like Eulister in his prime would have been all over it. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, actually Eulister in her prime would have had Dalton or somebody like Dalton. Okay. But Eulister can't get Dalton anymore. But he's like, ah, the, the fleeting flowers of youth. Exactly. Exactly. So, <laughs> Um, but yeah, I wanted, I've never actually played that character before and I, was, I wanted to have fun with that one, you know. Yeah, I really liked Eulister. You know, it's funny. If you listen, there's a moment 
right before Eulister dies, where we're it, we're it, we're in the middle of combat. The combat's obviously kind of wrapping up at that point. We're fighting some ghouls. Most of them have been taken out, but all that's left is a single ghoul that's fighting Eulister, who has just been paralyzed. And I just kind of like. I was just being like a brash dick about how I, which I like to do to my players. It Fun. Keeps, it keeps them on their toes. Right. It lets them know that, you know, they can, you gotta strike the fear. You gotta you, strike a little have, bit of fear in your players. You have to remind them I, and, that you are a cruel god. And you know, and yeah, and I got in that moment that you were getting your last licks in to kind of maybe, maybe teach me a lesson, like, don't, you know, don't get so close to the fight, Eulister, you're not that tough. I was always taken from that, you know? Yeah. But then I I think I rolled it was it was a crit and you double critted me or something yeah crazy. it was yeah. it was just a a stupid amount of damage it yeah. it just wrecked you yeah. and that was it that's all it takes sometimes which is kind of like I think it's one of those things where I there's a lot of story I felt like we we could have had out of Eulister like obviously there was so much built there and I felt like we were kind of like already kind of talking about like where could this go. Who's this guy? Like, what's he going to accomplish in this jungle? And to see that story cut short is sad, but it does kind of, you know, it raises this whole narrative of the story we're telling in general, where it's almost got like this kind of thing where it's like, oh, shit, a major character dies Just died, like, really yeah. early. Yeah, yeah like, if this was a CW show, that probably wouldn't have happened. If, no, it would This it would have been like the mid-season finale well, or the finale finale. Well, but also, don't forget, like in, in, also in TVs and movies very often, there are no consequences and a guy like Yulster comes back or he's not really dead or whatever. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, Yulster's death is kind of intense for me, too. Um, yeah. I feel like for being a middle-aged queen, he died too too young. Yeah, you know? he did. Died too soon. I felt like we definitely wanted more. You, you had some really fun abilities baked in there. He was such a goofy little guy, and and, and it, he was going to go off at fourth level. Like fourth level is when he got the bane. He got he got the ability to put bane on his weapons because oh. he's essentially like an occultist is essentially an artificer. Uh-huh. The, a lot of what they do is tied into the things they carry. Right. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. he was going to be that that sword cane of his. Was gonna turn into actually no, it was a, I'm sorry, that wasn't a sword cane. It was um, it was like a walking stick. It was a walking stick. It was like mace. a walking stick mace. That's right, yeah. and uh, and it was going to like become a bane weapon at will. Like, you know, that's really powerful. That's yeah, really powerful. Yeah, like you know, ghouls are attacking me. You know, bane undead. Boom. Done. You know, yeah. so I wanted to open this up a little bit to talking about other character deaths. I think, I don't know if all of us have had characters die in campaigns. I don't think Leslie has. Um, I've come close enough that I started planning another character in the mm. middle of the session. Remember Moonlight Mao? Uh, I do remember Moonlight Mao. Did I ever kill... I, did- you, I, I had a character called Midnight Mao that was a catfolk uh, necromancer, and I was pretty sure she had died, so I started planning her crummy twin brother moonlight mao who was garbage uh but it turned out i didn't need him so that was nice huh. so you, but no but I, ex- but experiencing character death i feel like for anyone or the potential of character death is a very like heart stuttering moment at the table because you're like i don't know how much of this session is left theoretically i love my character i've poured so much of myself to a degree into them what what are, what was that alan what was that moment like for you um it's interesting because um, I used to be very kind of – I used to have a very rough relation with character death. For me, like even if a character died and then got resurrected, to me, the character had failed. 
Hmm. Like the the builds and the concept had failed, so I had no interest in it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I always found that resurrected characters never carried any real joy for me. And I got past that over time. I like you know after after enough times of having gone through that, I'm like okay, I I'm just going to continue the story, and the story is more important than I am. And I kind of like started embracing that concept. Right. And I think that with Eulister's death. Which is really sad for me because I really did like him and I wanted to explore him more. It was a good, it was a really good death. I mean, it was a really dramatic death. It was, it was full of story. It mm-hmm. had emotional impact. I mean, you guys, like, you know, um, I mean, it was, it was intense. And, um, and I think also the fact that, you know, uh, Christy, you know, Kata, had made that choice to save Dalton instead of Eulister, thinking that Eulister was okay, and then have Eulister die, that has to be an incredible weight on her. It's a character Ooh, consequence. Right? That's yeah. a really good point, yeah. And so sometimes, and that's what happens, like, that's what's great about, about RPGs, is that the dice dictate the story, and sometimes failures are more incredible than successes. Oh, 100%, you know? 100%. Well, here's a question. Do you think, like, Obviously, it's hard to like talk about what Eulster would have wanted because one, he's like a part of you, and two, he's he's gone now, so really he doesn't have much of a say. But do you think Eulster would have wanted Kata to save Dalton, considering how enthralled oh, he was with him? I can tell you for a fact <laughs> that Eulster would have wanted Dalton saved. Oh, yeah. that's so good. Absolutely, yeah. Well, Dalton's that's... Dalton's young and virile and handsome. Yeah, he was he was good with that choice. Well, that mm-hmm. that makes my heart really full. I mean, I, I think that like one thing that I really love in RPG or in any storytelling is is, is a degree of catharsis, and the notion that Eulister would have wanted Dalton to be okay, and if he had if Kata had known and had the option to be like Eulister, what, ugh, and Eulister would have said save Dalton, then to me. It's worth it. No, it's true. It's like un- unrequited love is still love. Yeah, you know, it's true. So, uh, Dalton's so terrible, though. <laughs> I mean, that was the whole premise for him. Because usually, I try to, in general, not always, but in general, I think I try to build NPCs as like bisexual, just so anybody, if they are feeling like I'm into this character, I can just be like, "Cool, you're into this character. Great." Then, may- uh, sorry to interject. But maybe bisexual isn't the right phrase. Maybe it's just more you keep them very open and fluid so that they can respond to a situation as needed. Is that? Sure. Yeah. It's undefined. I'm, all right. Until I'm, I'm be. being persnickety. I'm sorry. <laughs> you're fine. No, it's all good. But like, yeah, you're right. In general, like, it is, in general, I try to keep NPC. Sexuality is kind of undefined unless it needs to be defined just in case anyone wants to ping off of it. They they can kind of run with it. Because it's always frustrating in a video game when you're like, what if this? And the video game's like, we're good friends till the end. Sir, and then they tip their hat. And you're like, oh, what? Come on, let Come me back. let me have this moment. Come back, Barrett. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I don't think that Eulister ever thought he'd get Dalton. That no. was Dalton was unattainable to to Eulister. So the, the the joy for Eulister wasn't getting Dalton. It was it was you know chasing Dalton. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's having fun. Yeah. But for Dalton, I did. There was something about Dalton I felt was straight there was something like i think like that archetype like i think you could play the archetype as gay like you can kind of go for that character but he's gay but then i think you're you're kind of saying something again you're then you're making another statement on top of that maybe i'm wrong it's hard i feel like it's hard to make any decisions in some type of story setting without inadvertently making some sort of statement about something right yeah but again it wasn't like again it wasn't it dalton as in concept it wasn't about obtaining him that wasn't it at all. Mm-hmm. It was only about it was about worshiping him. 
Oh, I get that. You know, and mm-hmm. so it's like like Dalton was that alpha, right? Image, like you know, object, and and so, but also again, Yulser never. Like if Yulser ever got Dalton, he wouldn't know what to do with him. No, oh, it's like the dog in the in the car. Yeah, like dog in the car. Exactly. He was just it was and and Yulser knew that Yulser was simply in the moment. So Alan, we kind of talked about this a little bit and where we are in the story and also the fact that you're such a low level. It doesn't really make sense to go for a resurrection route with Yulister because of all these circumstances. So you have to come back as a new character. Have you given a lot of thought to that? Are you trying to, are you kind of thinking about what to replace, where to fit in again? Um, I have some initial thoughts. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's you'll like third level or something. There's no way he's coming back in a resurrection spell. You don't, you don't do that to a low level character. It doesn't happen. You just don't res. Low yeah, level that's the, because resurrection magic is something happens when you start getting the mid levels. It's part right. of that magic. So, arguably, is it something that you have to earn? You have to. Su- you have to survive a certain amount of time to merit being resurrected. Yeah. Exactly. You've had exactly. more time to like connect to a character. They're ingrained in the fabric of the party. And then it's much harder to. It's yeah. like how I killed Fabrizia in our other weekly game, our Curse of the Crimson Throne campaign, which we play. Yes. Uh, our friend Fabrizia, or not our friend Fabrizia, our friend Tiffany was recently killed by a assassin, if that you guys recall in that one. That's but you guys are now like, what, eighth level in that campaign now? So it makes sense. Like, you can afford it, go to, a, get res. Like, it's part of the story. Like, resurrection magic is there. You're in a city. Also, it, again, like, building off what you just said, like, Curse of the Crimson Throne takes place in an urban area, in a city, in a place where there is an infrastructure for resurrection. At this point in the campaign, you guys aren't in Avuba anymore. You're in the jungle. Yeah. So and you don't and you don't have the people. Oh yeah. In your... Like they're like a hundred miles from anything at this point. And that adds another layer to building your new character because it's not necessarily just about introducing a new person to the group. It's like how can there be a new character in this environment? But absolutely. Yeah. But maybe someday, you know, at eighth level or something in this campaign, they're going to find a true resurrection spell or a scroll, and they'll go back and get Illustrator. Should be great. Maybe. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure his body is exactly where they left it. Uh, oh, that hesitation is a little maybe. foreboding. Well, we all, okay, well, I mean, he was killed by ghouls. What does that mean? If you're killed by ghouls, I think if you're not, if it's not treated properly, you're supposed to resurrect. I guess we have to see what they do, right? Yeah, poor old Bernie Bookie. Bernie Bookie? Old Bernie Bookie. Yeah, burn book. Yeah. So... Alan, it makes sense for you to come back. So you're in the we're in the jungle. We've talked a little bit about this here and there, and about what kind of character it would make sense to come back as. There's things that I because there's things that I know. There's things like I don't want to play a beastkin because I feel like Kafka has that slot. Okay, you know. And one thing I do when like especially when I'm in a campaign with a group of people, I like to give I not give, but I like to have. Everybody have their slots, like mm-hmm. you know, a spellcaster. Uh, you know what I mean? Like in his instance, you know, he's a tengu. I don't want to repeat some of those flavors. There's you a know? lot of animal flavors. Yeah, there's a lot of animal flavors, so I don't want to do that. I don't want to be a beastkin at all. Um, so I have to like kind of think about like who can be in this jungle that's not a beastkin. So, um, so there's been talk about that uh, about the lost colony of Leroy that we're like headed to. Right, right. It's, right? A, it's a Gallern colony. 
Yes, exactly. Which means that it's not a beastkin colony. So I'm thinking along the lines of a survivor of of Leroy. Ooh, kind yes. of a, kind of a lost esque. Yeah, like you know, kind of like because you know, that's again we're talking about like those jungle stories, and and there's this sort of like it, there's this um the shipwrecked the castaway castaway Robinson yeah. Crusoe the guy Robinson Crusoe yes, the guy right? who lived in the jungle by himself for just, decades. You know, yeah. So yeah, here's yeah. a question, like, so just just to remind me because I'm not a hundred percent sure how long ago was the colony active when did it kind of go off the grid as far as everyone knows the colony was destroyed about 20 years ago in game okay so that's reasonable yeah yeah well so i do have to think about something that's still going to be vibrant enough after 20 years and i have to maybe think about whether or not that was a baby or a child at that time baby caruso or an elf or something, right, like a long yeah, species. a long, something a long, feasible, uh, yeah. yeah, something but half elf, maybe a half elf, and like, if, yeah. yeah, you're basically a teenager. So I want to think about those terms. Um, I, 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 I created Yulster as an occultist because I was really excited by the new occult rules, right? Mm-hmm. So I wanted to do something off the out of the uh, you know occult book, right? I don't know if I want to go of that yet. Um, I'm also like a little. Like hesitant to play another healer. I built the occultist as a healer because the party needed a healer, but I right. also wanted to be following things. I wanted to be a spontaneous caster mm-hmm. and an intelligence based caster. Right. So, which the occultist did all those things for me. So now I want to think about I what did want to have the intelligence kind of slot for the party, right? Right. And I like spontaneous casting. And the occult classes give those to me. So like psychics kind of like right there. Right. The problem is psychics not a healer. Not at all. Um, Here's a question. Can I? Yeah. Can I ask? So this is a, it's because this is our like little foray into the into the hypothetical, and it's a little off the books. The other players aren't really aware of what we're talking about right now. Are you thinking about having a character intentionally not be a healer to punish them for the for letting go of Eulister? Wow. Yes, that's exactly what I'm thinking. You're devious because. Uh, as much as Euler's was happy that Dalton was saved, Dalton's a fucking NPC, and, and Alan is upset about and, it. <laughs> and Euler's a PC, and Chrissy should have saved a PC, and Kafka should have saved, or, or, or Kafka should have saved a PC. They didn't. They don't deserve a cleric. Oh, so you've decided for sure they're not going to get a cleric for sure. Oh, they're not getting a cleric. I was just yeah. posing that as like a, huh, but like you're really just not just straight up uh, no healing for them at all. Yeah, and that way, if they're the next to die, they can play a cleric. Ah, so you're yeah. passing the baton, yep. theoretically. A- yeah. Assuming more will die. Cal? Well, if I can do my job well, yes. <laughs> and if they have Shayaka, he's an Inquisitor. He can be the fourth party member whenever they need him. That's true. Is would, Do you think he'd be willing to be part of the party? I don't know. They have to kind of like, you know, make sure he's like friendly to them. You know, it's part of like this NPC culture I have of this campaign where you have to kind of build relationships. So like, the, the closer they get to them, like... So correct, correct me if I'm wrong then. So... Of the NPCs that you kind of assembled for our players to interact with, there, it's kind of like a roaming menagerie of like, oh, if you need this, you have this person. Oh, if you need that, here, you, you should talk to so-and-so. Yes, I kind of, because I came up with all the NPCs before the players built the characters. Oh, okay. So it was, essentially, kind of had a, a broad coverage. At first, there was going, Shayaka was actually at first dr- written up as a cleric. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, nah, then they'll only use Shayaka. And so then he was an inquisitor. <laughs> Which is funny, because I actually thought Shaka was a cleric. 
Yeah, he's basically a cleric. It's, it's, not, like, it's not like people tell you what their class is. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Hello, work. nice to meet you. I'm a ranger. Exactly. But like Shayaka like, is basically a cleric of Sun Wukong, but like he is functionally, he's a little more active. Like he's he's quiet, he's sneaky, he's good and like he's good on his feet. So he's, he's more more of a jack of all trades. Yeah, he's an inquisitor. Like that I think kind of makes more sense to me. And that's nice because I, I do feel like Pathfinder gives you the ability to have that level of customization for right, your characters. Yeah. Right. If, if we were just playing, like we were playing like 5e, he'd just be a cleric. He'd be like a Dexy cleric. Uh, whereas in Pathfinder, he gets to be an Inquisitor. So that's kind of like the fun, one of those little fun differences between the systems. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so no cleric for No mi- cleric for me. Fuck for new. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, again, like, like they could have protected the healer and they didn't. So, so we'll see what go. I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah. I'm really excited to meet your new character. I uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna you know I have to. I, the funny thing is I always explore um kind of I always explore gay characters to some degree, like I and I I kind of like to think about like it's not that they have to be gay they can be queer they can be they can be female even or trans but I I have this thing where I find that as long as they are uh, attracted to men right mm-hmm. then they then they have an experience that i share and right. i can understand so it's like it's it, there's the whole saying of like stay in your lane but as yeah. long as you find your characters are attracted to men that you feel like you are lane adjacent and able to do justice to those stories and tell them from an earnest and genuine place yeah exactly it's like it's i don't care what the made up you know made up character has in their pants or what they do with it. Right. As long as they have, as long as I understand what their thought, what their thoughts are. And their feelings, and what, and yeah. feelings, what interests them, then I, then it's real for me. So, so I'm going to do that again with this character. I am going to do it differently than, than with, um, Eulister and that Eulister was this, you know, dandy character. So my next character is probably going to be younger and we'll have to figure that out because it's a 20-year difference, but yeah. younger, younger, hotter, Brooding, oh, so like we're, yeah, we're so getting like a we're getting a CW reboot. CW, yeah, it's going to be way more CW. <laughs> he's going to he's going to test much young, well for like younger audiences. Like, yeah, Ulister wasn't doing well with like seventeen year old girls. So yeah. we're bringing, we're, we're going to see how this impacts our ratings. Yeah. This yeah. this next guy can get Dalton. Oh, Ooh, hot Ooh. challenge accepted. <laughs> I feel like that's that's a great place to kind of end it. Thank you, Alan, so much for sitting down and talking about Yulester. We're going to pour one out in our hearts yeah. for precious Yulester Burn book. Cal, I, I feel like he was one of your favorites. I know that parents don't have favorites, but gods, I think, do. Gods clearly have favorites. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I love Yulester way more than the other two. <laughs> <laughs> Especially yeah. now that he's dead. Especially now that he's dead, and I and I can just say that freely. That <laughs> I just look at Christian Paul as they left, and I said it should have been you. <laughs> well, I think that's uh, that's good to know for all of us. Yeah. So Thank I you. guess uh, Kata and Kafka should watch their backs as they continue into the jungle. And I'm so excited to see the new character that's going to be emerging from the mists and the foliage. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you so much, thank everybody, you. for tuning into our Crunch episode, and we'll see you next time on Mythos Manual. Thanks for tuning in to the Mythos Manual. Be sure to check us out on our socials at Mythos Manual or our website, mythosmanual.com. May all your roles be 20s.